Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week two of our look at the book of Isaiah. Day one, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter five starting today. But I do want to say that since Isaiah is such a long book, I'd like to start each week with a sort of a where we are section, like a you are here on a map or maybe a, a previously on in a TV series. So previously on our look at Isaiah last week, we began to look at God's vision for your life, the fact that that's what the book of Isaiah is all about. And there's two major simple sections, God's vision for change in your life and God's vision for comfort in your life. We started last week to look at God's vision for change, and we looked at the fact that we need to be honest about our rebellion, and we need to follow God's prescription for coming out of that rebellion. Things like starting to bring meaningful offerings and don't do meaningless things for the Lord. Things like settling your accounts with God on a regular basis. We talked last week about that in order to change, we need to look at the mountain of the Lord, a place of hope, the day of the Lord, a place of judgment, and the branch of the Lord, a place of promise, a person of promise. And then we ended last week looking at the song of the vineyard, the fact that change means I need to see myself as God sees me. I need to see how deeply God loves me and desires a relationship with me. That's how I'm going to desire a relationship with him. So this week, as we begin in Isaiah chapter 5, we're going to start in this chapter that tells us that to change, you have to clearly understand what doesn't work. And until I understand that something doesn't work, I often won't change off of it. I'll keep doing the thing that doesn't work. In the Bible, what does work is expressed by the word blessings, God's blessings in our lives. The things that he blesses are the things that work. What doesn't work is expressed by the woes that you see in the Bible. John the Baptist used woes, woe are you if you do this. Jesus used woes, woes to the Pharisees if you do this. Woe means trouble or sadness or distress are in store if you keep going in that direction. Blessed are you if you do this. Woeful are you if you do this. God made you. He knows what's going to make you happy. If anybody knows what's going to make you happy, he does. If anyone knows what's going to hurt you, he does. So he's able to tell us what's going to bless us and what will bring woe into our lives. So I'd say if the blessings of Jesus are the be attitudes, these are the don't attitudes. The woes are the don't attitudes. They clearly reveal some things to avoid, things that are going to cause hurt to your heart lacks in your life, strain to your soul. And we're going to look at them these first couple of days of this week. Six different woes that Isaiah talks to us about. Number one, he tells us, woe to those, chapter 5, verse 8, who add house to house. Now, in this woe, he's talking about increasing what I have without really needing it. He's talking about gathering without giving. In one word, he's talking about the woe of materialism. So in chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. The Lord Almighty has declared in my hearing, surely the great houses will become desolate, the fine mansions left without occupants. A 10-acre vineyard will produce only a bath of wine. A homer of seed will yield only an ephah of grain. Now remember, as we read this, that land in Israel was owned by ancestral right. So when he talks about adding house to house, joining field to field, they had found a way to rent and then buy and then keep someone else's inheritance. And joining field to field, there was another advantage to them in that. In that day, you had to allow people to, around the edges of your field, come in and glean of the crops. Well, if you were able to join four fields together, there were less edges. 
there was less gleaning that could be done. You were saving yourself a lot of crops. He's talking about people who already have more than enough, and they're gaining more just to increase their statue instead of to meet other people's needs. In fact, they're choosing to not meet other people's needs to increase their statue by material things. And it's the danger of materialism. And Isaiah is very clear about where materialism leads, leads us. We've, we've all seen this in our friends. Some of us have seen this in our own lives. Materialism, the danger of it is, it leads to loneliness and frustration. He talks about the frustration of it. He says, what you have, it starts not producing what it should because it doesn't have the blessing of God on it. You're just doing it to increase what you have. So he talks about a whole 10 acres of a vineyard is going to only produce five gallons, a bath or five gallons. It should produce well over a thousand gallons of wine. It's only going to produce five. He talks about 10 bushels of seed. They're going to give back only a half a bushel of grain, less than what you started with. Many, many times you find yourself struggling to get ahead and you wonder, why am I not getting ahead? It may be that you're caught up in materialism, trying to get more and more and more without looking at what God has to say about the things that he's given to us. And then he talks about a deeper hurt to materialism. He says, you live alone in the land. When you get for getting's sake, when you gather without needing, you find that in the end, all those things, they just produce emptiness. All you have is the things. Now, for you and I as followers of Jesus, every woe in one sense needs to be followed by a go. If the woe is what I'm not supposed to do, then the go is the different direction that God calls me to go towards. I walk away from the woes by heading towards God's goes. So with each of these woes, we're going to look at a go, if that doesn't sound too poetic or rhymy. The go in this one is giving. You fight materialism not by how little or how much you have. You fight by giving out of whatever you have. Giving is the antidote to materialism. And they weren't giving. And so because of that, they were living in woe, even though they had more and more. In verse 11, he talks about a second woe. He says, woe to those who live for parties. He's talking about people who live for pleasure instead of living to please God. It's the woe in one word of hedonism. In verses 11 and 12, woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they're inflamed with wine. They have harps and lyres at their banquets, pipes and timbrels and wine, but they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the work of his hands. So the woe here is a group of people who've become very successful in finding great pleasure, but they're not living to please God. They don't have any regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the work of his hands. Many people, they chase after pleasure all their lives. They want to get to a place where they feel like they're living the good life that they see other people living. Isaiah here is talking not about those people, not the people who are chasing after pleasure, but those who have gained it. They've gained all that they want. They have all that they want to drink. They have all that they want in their parties. And they found out when they gained all that they wanted, it's not what they wanted at all. Because they have no regard for what God is doing, all that pleasure is desensitizing them to what's most important. If you have no regard for what God's doing, all the pleasure you can get into your life is going to desensitize you to what's most important, to what's most significant. You're not going to be able to see beyond your next drink or hit or whatever. The go in this, in this woe, is to live to please God instead of living to please yourself. When you live for pleasure, you're never pleased. When you live to please God, then you enjoy God's pleasure in your life. 
Now, the truth is, we're talking about people who drink too much, maybe get involved in drugs. Let's take this to every one of us. You can easily become too self-focused, even in your faith, starting to look to faith primarily as a way to please yourself, as a way that you can be happier. Now, your faith is going to make you happier, but if that's all you're looking for, the kind of faith that just makes me happier, then it becomes self-defeating because you're just focused on you. You need something more than just being happy. You live to please God because that's the source of ultimate fulfillment. And it's bigger than you. It's bigger than your happiness. It's about God's purpose and God's plan for your life. So that's the goal in that one. You live to please God. A third woe, final woe we're going to look at today. Woe to those who say, let God hurry. And this is the, um, this is the woe of cynicism in one word. Verses 18 to 19 in chapter 5. Woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit and wickedness as with cart ropes. To those who say, let God hurry. Let him hasten his work so that we may see it. The plan of the Holy One of Israel. Let it approach. Let it come into view so that we may know it. You can tell they're sort of mocking God here. We don't see God anywhere, so we're going to do what we want. These are people who continually doubted God's word because they couldn't see God in the way that they wanted to see God. If they couldn't see it, they wouldn't believe it. They'd sort of reduced faith to a spectator sport. They were watching to see what God might do. And Isaiah declares very clearly the danger of this attitude. They draw sin along with cords of deceit, wickedness as with cart ropes. He's saying here that their cynicism has caused them to be tied to the burden of their sin. They don't know what they've done. They've tied themselves so strongly to the burden of that sin, and they're weighed down all of the time. The goat of this one is obvious. The goat to cynicism, the opposite of that woe, is faith. It's trusting in what you don't see. If all you trust is what you see, you're going to live a very cynical life. You'll always be looking for God and others to prove themselves, prove that you love me, prove that you care about me, prove that you have a plan for me. When you begin to trust in what you cannot see, when you start to take God at his word, someone who can be trusted, your life begins to open up in ways that you just can't possibly imagine. That's what God wants to do in our lives. In light of what God wants to do, let's take a moment to pray together. And in prayer, just simply say, Lord, I want to live for the good that you have in my life. I don't want to live a selfish life. I don't want to live a self-focused life. I, I don't want to live a life that's all about the pleasures of this world or all about what I might want or what I might need or material things I can gain. So God, give me a giving heart. Give me a heart of faith. Give me a heart that cares about other people. Help me not to get caught up in the values of the world around me. It's so easy to do. Instead, help me to get caught up in your love for me today. I ask this in your name. Amen. Well, join us tomorrow. We're going to look at Three more woes, but also three more goes, good things that God tells us we can do. 